sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hour two, fantasy sports today with you here on Sports Grid. We've got a lot of stories to get to here on the show. The NBA playoffs begin today. Stanley Cup playoffs are underway. Players are actually back on the field. In pads in the NFL. Wow, we may actually have some NFL to discuss. No preseason, but training camp is out there. We'll give you some good news, some bad news. Everything that we have for you, we'll give you that as well. Of course, a preview of all the baseball games today, as well as Adam Ronis from Wager Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com gives us a betting perspective on three of the NBA games, including the one coming up at 140 Eastern. Joe, but great to be back with you here on the show. And we got sports now in full swing. I think that last little thing that we needed was that boost from the NFL. I would say the quietest August we've ever had oh, in yeah. the NFL, with the exception of that one year about eight years ago where they had uh, the lockout for like two weeks, and then, of course, they started the preseason late. It's been quiet, but I have a feeling that's going to change this week. Yeah, and it's funny. You would say quiet, but it was loud because of the lockout. So everyone was just talking about the lockout. At least we're talking about NFL. But I, I kind of agree with what you said uh, a few weeks ago, which is, well, when Hard Knock starts, that's when it'll feel like NFL. And Hard Knock started last week, and it kind of feels like NFL now. And I told you I had my takeaway on Friday on what I saw, and uh, I was very encouraged by the protocols of what's going on over there. And uh, it's been feeling like football to me for months because of the fantasy black book, obviously. And I want to thank everybody out there sure. who uh, did buy a book this past week and help uh, raise some funds for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So we'll be making that donation this week. So thank you, everyone out there. And there's still time to get yours on Amazon. But yeah, it, it feels like fantasy football for me, too. And I think we're all just so guarded because every day there's a new issue that crops up. Uh, you know, a new team that tests positive with something. And I think there's a lot of fear out there. Plus, I also wonder with not a lot of people getting together, how many fantasy football leagues maybe won't happen this year when people don't draft in person. Maybe they, you know, love to do that. And a lot of transitioning for those people into, yeah. you know, all remote drafts. And, you know, that fantasy football community draft thing is, is a big deal. And where you might be taking that out of the equation this year quite a bit. Yeah, it's really interesting. And then somebody I was speaking to last night who plays a lot of high stakes said that, uh, you know, a lot of the high stakes guys are sitting out this year. They're going to be back, that? maybe bubbling up for a bigger league next year, and which which sort of makes sense. Look, there's a lot of uncertainty for sure, and when and the season may get uh, in and, and full, but with the amount of unpredictability, are you really putting your skill to the test this year? Maybe not as much as you were in years past. So, all right, let's uh, go through our top stories of the day. Oakland Athletics are uh, best team in baseball right now. They're on an unbelievable roll in the month of August. So all the credit to them for getting off to this uh, unbelievable start that they have. We're waiting on news on Bo Bichette. Looks like he could miss a month. He has been one of the stars of fantasy in the first few weeks, but unfortunately probably not going to have him for a period of time. The White Sox hit back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs in their game yesterday, something that doesn't happen often in history. Speaking of history, uh, Yankees know all about injuries. Judge, Stanton, now DJ LeMahieu back on the 10-day injured list. Oh, that stinks. 
Uh, Utah is about to tip off with Denver in about a half hour. They will not have Mike Conley in their game today because he left the bubble for the birth of his son, which he should do. No problem there. The Southeastern Conference football schedule, if I'm not mistaken, comes out like momentarily. We may actually have that for you here on the show. They're saying that they're going to play football. Uh, Health officials say that they shouldn't. Uh, Who knows what in the world is going to happen with college football this year. And uh, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, he's starting a petition to get the Big Ten back going after some people feel the Big Ten prematurely decided to not play their season. And some people feel the Pac-12 just followed suit. Who knows if they reverse course? Who knows if the other conferences who say that they're going to play reverse course? But that's sort of where we are at today for sure. And the one thing that I did want to bring up here on the show today, because some people definitely did ask me about this, uh, Joe, was yet when I was at the game, and, and for those people who don't know, I live in South Florida, so the predominant team that I cover is the Miami Marlins, and they had their first home game on Friday night of the season. They treated it like a home opener. It was sort of like opening day. There were you know a few media members there on Friday night, so it wasn't totally eerie. But Saturday, <laughs> I went back, And I was the only media member in the entire press box, Joe. It was me and two other uh, people to my right, which, again, social distancing, like 10, 15 feet. And those were the official scores. And that was it. And no one else. And I was speaking to somebody uh, about this in Major League Baseball as we welcome in our radio audience over on Sports Grid Radio. And then somebody mentioned to me that, you know, Craig, you are one of probably about somewhere between four and 500 people in the world that are not on a field to be watching a major league baseball game in person. And that kind of hit me like, yeah, like (laughs) that is wild. And, um, you know, no sitting in the stands either, no one there. And I would tell you that it was really cool. And I'm going to go again tonight. I'm going to go back again. I'm going to go as long as they keep letting me in, I'm going to go because I have an opportunity (laughs) that nobody else has. And I got to be safe with it, but I have a chance to go see a baseball game. And, and it's a rare opportunity to do it, so I'm going to keep going. The eeriest thing of all was, and I forget if it was on Friday night or Saturday night, I think it was Saturday night, was they, you know, they pipe in the crowd noise, Joe. So you get through like the first inning, and you're, and you're conditioned to hearing that noise. And then the second the game ends, they cut the sound. And it's like <laughs> silent. And it, yeah. it, it's not even the equivalent of you leaving a stadium. Because you know, Joe, when you leave a baseball game or a football game, you know, they play music at the end and everyone's talking and you hear, and it was silent. And I'm like, wow, it just really hit home for me. So I thought I would just share that story today. Uh, it's, it's a good story. Um, did you feel comfortable there too? Like, I mean, because it's so eerie, I, I know you don't get the yeah. reference, but it sounds very, very Marvel's Avengers infinity war slash Endgame in between those two movies. I know you don't get that reference, but trust me, it, it works for this where you're kind of alone in these spots, but did you feel comfortable? Or did you just feel like when you walk around the park, it's just like before the park really opens and you're there, you know, during BT basically. It, it felt different. The only person I interacted with for the first hour Somebody taking my temperature, and that was it. We'll be back with more fantasy. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. We got you here until 2 o'clock on the East. We'll have an NBA preview of all of today's games against the spread, courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook, coming up with Adam Ronis. That's in about 10 minutes from now. But, Joe, we have players in pads on NFL fields. We have reporters that are there from a distance who are unable to say anything until after the practice, and then they tell you everything. So I guess they got to take notes during. I've never heard or seen anything like this before. But I guess not having fans there, they're able to completely eliminate all of the information that would be coming out of there. So no tweeting from about 20 NFL teams. And then you get the information after that. Had a couple of injuries today also that we'll get to in a little bit. But for fantasy football drafts that are coming up, everyone's always looking for that sleeper. It's really hard right now because there's so much information that is out there that they provide you with going into just like your uh, fantasy black book. People have the information going into their drafts. And right. it's, it's not like the old days where you had a magazine and you walked into a draft and you liked the guy more than someone else. Now everybody has the advanced stats. Pro Football Focus uh, provides that as well. So let's get started with some potential players and start off with the running back position who maybe we should be looking at after the first few rounds. Well, you're exactly right, too. There is no such thing as sleepers. The Internet killed that. In fact, it's the opposite. If anything, anyone who dubs anyone a sleeper ends up getting helium and ends up becoming a player who actually becomes a potential albatross because if they don't perform now, all of a sudden the, their value has risen to a certain extent. So you have to keep a really close eye on all these. So these are basically some guys that are going after pick 100. You know, so much time and energy is spent on the players that are going in those first 75 picks or so that I think it's important to look past that a little bit. Some guys that are trending maybe later than pick 100 that you could take a look at. And the first one is James White, who, you know, had a really good start to the year last year, two years ago, finished as you know, right there in terms of a high-end RB2, if you can believe it or not, because of all the receptions. Now, last year, he still had the receptions, 72 of them, 645 yards, six touchdowns, good enough. Obviously, the rushing yards came way down compared to uh, the 2018 numbers in 2019. However, this is going to be a very run-heavy offense, and, and the Patriots are going to run the football here, and they're going to run it more with James White as well. And James White also fits very well into Cam Newton's style of play. So this is a guy that you can basically draft now, not as an RB2, but as a flex running back. And that is perfect. That's exactly where you want James White in full point PPR. And going post 100 at basically RB38, that's a no-brainer to me because he can fill in those bye weeks sometimes as well in terms of an RB2. And I think when you look at the body of work and James White in that offense, you know his role and his role is not going to change. If anything, there's actually potential for it to improve and get a little closer to what it was two years ago as opposed to last year when the offense started to really kind of spiral at the second half of the season. At wide receiver, Joe, we're always looking for uh, players who are in new locations and in new uh, spots. And for Emmanuel Sanders, this will be his third team in a little bit less than a year as he moved on to the New Orleans Saints this offseason. So they're going to pair him up with Drew Brees. So automatically, you got to be real excited about that proposition. I mean, that's that that goes without saying. Um, he's being drafted as about 105 overall in terms of wide receivers, and he got a ton of targets last year. Took him a little time to get acclimated, I think, when he moved on to his new club, and clearly he only played <laughs> with Joe Flacco, so it was really hard to determine anything that was going on with him in Denver. But Drew Brees, no matter who you are, will help your career. Is that going to be the case again with Sanders this year? Well, here's the thing. You're right. He's moving to the best offense he's played in in quite some time. And if you look at what he's able to do last year with the injuries, playing with Garoppolo and, and Joe Flacco, 
I mean, this is pretty good right here. 66 catches on 97 targets for almost 900 yards and six TDs. Plus, you know, that yards per reception, 13.2. That's a pretty good mark right there. Here's the thing. We know it's Michael Thomas's team. We get that. And we understand Alvin Kamara is the number two here. But who's the other guy? And I think what you're going to see is defense is basically trying to stop Michael Thomas to no avail. The uh, defense is trying to stop Alvin Kamara to no avail. And with all that energy, Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage and a lot of opportunities. Is he going to be consistent? No, but at wide receiver 45, Craig, you're basically looking at drafting him as your wide receiver four anyway. So as a wide receiver four, yeah, like why not? Why wouldn't you want this to be a guy that you can slide into bye weeks or play in a really good matchup? To me, him playing with the Saints is a great boon for his value. I understand there's some age. I understand some wear and tear, but in terms of offense, he's playing in a potential this could be a really good spot here for Emmanuel Sanders, who seems to be like a forgotten guy. It's always hard to find tight ends, Joe, in, in fantasy for sure. And look, the, the Blake Jarwin drum has been pounding now for a couple of years. And honestly, um, we haven't really seen that much. I, I think that would be kind to Blake Jarwin. And look, they brought Witten back last year, and I get it. Uh, but this is sort of it, I think, for Jarwin in terms of being a viable, not just fantasy, but reality tight end. And, and I don't even – look, you see the numbers there on the, on the screen. Honestly, you throw them out. He didn't get a full opportunity last year. But, right. Joe, uh, you have to believe in this player in order to draft him, I think, in fantasy. You have to believe that he is going to take that next step. I think that this is his chance, and there will be no other chance after this year. I think that's exactly the sentiment I share with you. And uh, 124 targets last year to the tight end position. With Jason Witten gone and Dak Prescott's propensity to throw to the tight end over his career – He's not above it. I mean, just because when he was a younger quarterback, he favored Jason Witten. He really never grew out of that. He was always looking for that tight end. And Jarwin would have moments and games. And this is, again, why it's so important not just to look at the stats, but look at what you see in front of you. Jarwin would have moments where you go, wow, that's a great catch. Wow, that's a really good moment there for him. And you say, why isn't he getting him more involved in the offense? And I think it's just because of where he was in the depth chart. You're right. This is his opportunity. And if you're looking for a late stab at a guy, potentially a lottery pick at tight end, I think Jarwin is a good one at 138 overall. Now, uh, there was a report I saw this weekend that said Sam Darnold looked amazing, right? That's the kind of stuff that you throw out. Uh, but either way, uh, Rashad Perryman, who um, who I thought was great last year, and again, Winston threw him a million passes, so it's really hard to determine. Uh, Rashad Perryman is essentially like the Aquino of this year. There's just people aren't believing what they saw at the end of last year, which very well may be the case because it took Perryman forever to deliver on any sort of talent and promise than when he was drafted. Uh, with the Buccaneers. So uh, last year, all of these numbers that you see were all with with the guys out at wide receiver. He played, he made the most of the last four or five games that he played in, Joe. The question is, is he the number one wide receiver with the Jets? Is he the number one option with the Jets? Will Crowder get more? Will Mims get good real quick? And that will be it. I don't know. Um, I have Perriman in a dynasty league, and I'm just looking to hopefully get five games out of him and flip him, to be honest with you, because I think he can get off to a good start. I don't know that he figures into the long-term plans with them. That's my concern. Yeah, that, this is yeah. the tricky part. Is Crowder is definitely the best receiver they have in that group. But I think because of the age of Mims, like I'm not expecting a lot of Denzel Mims in year one. So somebody else has to step up there in sort of that Robbie Anderson role. And you know what? I mean, if Darnold is making any sort of progress whatsoever, then there's enough here for Bashad Perryman to say, come away with uh, maybe an 850 yard season, uh, maybe bring down, you know, 70 catches or something like that. Maybe have half a dozen touchdowns again, maybe even more. And that's very useful considering it wide receiver 54. Uh, you're looking for opportunity. You're looking for upside. I think that's all Bashad Perryman is, but at 140, 
he's a lot better than some of the other guys there who I don't think are going to play as much as Prashad Perryman will. Dolphins are going to be down a couple of receivers going into the season. We know how good Parker is, but there's going to be a need for a wide receiver too there. Maybe it is Preston Williams, who I, I think that most people thought would be a little bit better based on what they saw in game one last year and the preseason. He sort of was in and out of the lineup a little bit. He'll probably get an opportunity there. They did sign Chester Rogers. And Joe, I would tell you that I believe the one name that no one is talking about is Malcolm Perry, their seventh round pick from Navy. I think he is going to be a major factor on this team this year as a wide receiver, as a runner, and maybe even throwing the ball too. Uh, But that being said, let's focus here on Williams, Joe. Can he take that next step and become a wide receiver three in fantasy this year? Or is it just a lot of hype about nothing? I think he can absolutely become a wide receiver three. And you're getting him as a wide receiver five, basically. And that's the beautiful part about this pick is, again, it costs you nothing to find out. You see some of the deeper stats on him, too, when you look. Uh, you look at the yards per reception, 13.4. That's elite level kind of stuff here. So uh, if you do think two at some point is going to take over as well, the quarterback play might even improve considerably. So I think Williams, number one, from the depth chart is going to get the opportunity. But I think he showed you enough last year in the small sample size that you want to make sure a healthy version of him is on the field. And if it is, at pick 142 overall, this is a guy that could really help your fantasy team. And I think these are the kind of dart throws you want to take. Again, throws with upside and real positions on the field who are going to see snaps. That is what's important. Yeah, young talent's great, but are they on the field? And if the answer is no, then take guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Preston Williams. All right, we got Welsh with the update coming up next here on Sports Grid. And then after that, Adam Ronis will join us. We got a preview of Denver and Utah, as well as Brooklyn and Toronto, and of course, Philly and Boston. That's on tap right here on the grid. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, it is finally here, the 2020 NBA playoffs, and you can't ask for anything more than having sports on in the middle of the day. And look, I know we don't get to have fans there, and the atmosphere has been a little bit different, but the bubble games have really been fun. They've been great, and I would expect in the afternoon, our next guest, Adam Ronis of Fantasy Alarm, is going to be locked in, uh, one of the biggest NBA fans, of course, out there. He's going to break down some games against the spread. And Adam, normally on on a Monday afternoon, it's kind of a sleepy day for us, even in a regular baseball season. We're just waiting for those later games to start. Not this year. Games every day for two weeks. It should be fun. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Yeah, you know, since I stopped doing the morning show, I've been able to sleep. But the NBA playoffs are going to have me getting up early because I'm on the NBA playbook and the value vault at FantasyAlarm.com. And with tip-off being 1-130 for this DFS slate, so I got to get up early and make sure I get all that content in. But like you said, it's great just throughout the day to have games on from, you know, 1, 1.30 till, you know, 11.30 midnight. I mean, it's great, you know, and if it's a blowout, you can switch to a baseball game where you can watch some NHL playoffs. But, yeah, basketball has been great in the bubble. I mean, we got uh, Portland to get in, which is what I said. Uh, that's what I wanted. Uh, you know, I thought they had the best opportunity to potentially knock off the Lakers and Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic. They just played great. So, uh Credit to Portland. Uh, They showed up and got that last spot. 
Yeah, they did. And and look, I, I it's interesting. I know that we're not going to talk about that game tonight, but I do think that's a fishy line to have Portland only a, a short dog against <laughs> against the Lakers. I'm going to stay away from that game tonight. Uh, a lot of people think the Blazers have a shot to keep the series close. Maybe we'll dive into that a little bit. But I know everyone is waiting. The game is going to tip off soon, Adam. So let's get right to it here. Uh, game one of, uh, of, of the 2020 NBA playoffs is starting now. Uh, Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. And this line has gone back and forth a little bit, four and a half, five, five and a half, essentially. You're looking at your screen there. There's the accurate line there of where it is right now. The total around 215 and a half. Look, Denver dominated during the regular season. Uh, here's the perception that I have of this game just on the court, Adam. And you tell me if I'm wrong here. I mean, a lot of this is being made of just the two centers. And Jokic and, of course, Gobert, one offense, one defense. And it's like whoever gets the better of of the other in this series, it's like an old-fashioned series to a degree, maybe that ends up being the winner of the series. Now, in terms of the spread, though, uh, Utah probably has to do everything to win this game. But can they just do enough to keep it close, I guess, is the question today. Most people have Denver winning the series, but people think Utah can keep it close. Yeah, I think they can keep some of these games close, especially uh, we saw in the regular season and they faced each other in the bubble last week and that game went to double overtime. And I had Denver in that game and they barely escaped and covered. Uh, The problem with Utah right now is, number one, uh, this line opened at three and it's moved because Mike Conley has left the bubble for the birth of his child. So now your starting point guard is out. Not a huge deal for Utah because they have Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, who can handle the ball. We'll see if Emmanuel Moutier plays. Maybe they start him. He's also a point guard. But they just don't have a deep rotation. Ed Davis is also out for this team. Uh, and I don't li- I didn't like the way they played in the bubble. They didn't beat any good teams. Again, they were competitive against Denver. I know Denver didn't fare well themselves, but I thought they played better. They got Michael Porter a lot of minutes, allowed him to develop. Jokic is not going to be stopped by Gobert. Now, Gary Harris, Will Barton are still out. I don't think it affects them in this series. They still have some good depth in Jamal Murray. So I lean towards Denver in this game. Uh, I think they're the better team, and I think they can cover this. And the one thing to keep in mind with these first-round series is there's no home court now. So a lot of these series, we tend to go, oh, yeah, it'll go six games. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see a lot more shorter series in the first round. You're going to see, I think, a couple of these series only go four, some five. Uh, I only see one series possibly going seven in the first round. Wow. Okay. Well, look, I mean, I I think that that's really the key indicator as to why the lines aren't that big is because there is really no home court advantage. And so, of course, when you have two teams that don't match up well with one another, then the line can get a little bit high. And that is the case at 410 Eastern today, 110 Pacific, when the Brooklyn Nets take on the Toronto Raptors. And right now the Raptors are about a nine, nine and a half, 10 point favorite. You see the graphic on your screen there showing the accurate line. Uh, high total here also at 222, so they're expecting a lot of points in this game. Uh, uh, the Raptors beat the Nets uh, three times out of four, Adam, in the regular season. Raptors have played great in the bubble, and at least from uh, from my estimation, I mean, Karis LeVert has got to have an absolute monster game for them to win, but can he just do enough, and can the Nets do enough to just keep this game close? Because all we're caring about here, of course, is always the spread. Raptors Nine, nine and a half, ten. What you got here? Yeah, I lean towards the Nets covering this game. This is a terrible matchup for them, though. I mean, the Raptors are one of the better defensive teams in the league. You know, I think everyone is high on the Nets because of what they did in the bubble. And you got to give them credit. They beat the Clippers. They beat the Bucks. Yes, those teams didn't really put everyone uh, on the court at the time. And it didn't mean as much for them. 
And also they went out and they played Portland really, really hard. I mean, a lot of teams that day just sat there, guys. The Nets played everyone. They went at it. Uh, Jared Allen's got to stay out of foul trouble. If he's not on the court, it hurts them. He got some big offensive rebounds against Portland. But Toronto's a different beast. I mean, this team is really good. They're the defending champions. Sure, they have a different look without Kawhi Leonard there. Uh, but they, they, they're good defensively. So I think they can keep it close here. Again, I don't feel great about that. You know, the Nets are 4-0 against the spread in the last four games. And they really showed a lot of heart in the bubble. They played very well. You mentioned LaVert. I mean, that guy... Is yeah. phenomenal. I mean, you heard Damian Lillard praise them after right. uh, they beat the Nets. And, you know, then I think Kyrie Irving was like, we need a third star. They got it with Karis LeVert, man. Durant, Kyrie, and LeVert keep that. Spencer Dinwiddie, Nets are looking pretty good for next year. Joe Harris has developed. So, you know, to, uh, they did beat the Net, uh, Toronto once this year. Again, different team. But I think they could keep it close, to at least here in game one. Remind me next year to put a futures bet on the Nets uh, Eastern Conference, maybe something something interesting for next year. Uh, okay, so 6:40 Eastern game. This is one of the marquee games of the night. Uh, old school matchup here. We got the Celtics and 76ers, and a tenuous line here: five, five and a half total around 218. The Sixers beat the Celtics three and one in the regular season. Uh, but I would say, Adam, when you look at this matchup, it's like there's some people who still will feel Boston is the better team. Ben Simmons, of course, is not there. The Sixers are talking about tinkering with their lineup. Uh, Boston has Tatum and some other superstar type players, but they can do it to you in a number of different ways. How do you see this one? Yeah, I, I really like Boston here. I think Philadelphia is in trouble. Now, the key is Joel Embiid, he's going to have to take over games, and he's got a great mismatch here with Boston. I don't think they're going to be able to stop him. But the key for him is he's got to get it done inside. You know, there's too many times where he settles for these jumpers and he doesn't take advantage of the mismatch. So, you know, Embiid's going to have to take over a game or two for them to to stay in this series. But game one, I think Boston uh, is going to come out strong. I really like this Boston team. I think they have a real shot to get to the NBA Finals this year. Kemba Walker is healthy with his knee. Uh, their one weakness, obviously, is inside in the center. And, you know, obviously Embiid can exploit that. But I don't know if they have enough around him. And this team has had issues this year, chemistry issues. There's just something not right with them. So I don't really care what happened in the regular season. I think it's different now. I actually like the over better. I think we're going to okay. see points. Boston's kind of known as the defensive team, but they've been giving up points in the bubble. Philadelphia has been playing a little bit up tempo. So this is a low total here. And uh, we saw that early in the bubble. Some of the totals were low and we saw it go way over. And I know it's the playoffs, but again, no, no home crowd. Uh, so I think this, I kind of like the over a little bit more than the line here. All right, Celtics minus five and a half, uh, total around 218. Adam says he likes the uh, over in this game, over 218. So go ahead and get in on that. Uh, I, I know that you took the Clippers uh, to win the championship beforehand, and uh, this is a game you're passing on tonight with the Mavericks and Clippers, so we're not going to break this game down because obviously it could be a very competitive game, and, and the best thing that you could ever do as a better is pass when you don't have a strong opinion. But you did have a strong opinion on the Clippers going in. Are you going to stick with that? Because, again, you have the right of refusal here now that there's less teams and you know the scenario and you've seen the teams play. You still going to go with the Clippers uh, to win it all, Adam, when it's all said and done? Yeah, I actually feel I actually feel better about them now uh, after the bubble play because I didn't like what I saw from the Lakers. And they didn't really have much to play for. They won the first game against the Clippers, and then they kind of 
fizzled out, but I just didn't like the way the offense looked. Anthony Davis didn't play great, and their role players, I have concerns. They might get Rajon Rondo back. It looks like they will, uh, but I, I think the Clippers are, are the best team in the Western Conference, and we still haven't seen Montrezl Harrell play. He's questionable for game one. Patrick Beverly and Landry Shamit are, are questionable for game one, but they're loaded with depth, and when you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George able to play in the mid-high 30s, I mean, they're going to throw one of those guys at LeBron. They can rotate. I just see the Clippers getting through the Western Conference and winning the NBA title. So, yeah, I got one wager I placed in January, did another one back in July. I don't know. I might throw another one in there. <laughs> uh, I really like the Clippers a lot. All right. So Adam likes that, too. By the way, uh, you know, they're just for people who don't know how this is working. Uh, same exact scenario is going to play out on Tuesday. And, of course, every day here on our show with the tip drill, we have uh, Jeremy and Greg doing the DFS. Of course, we have Adam doing some of the wagering. Uh, but there is a bigger line, believe it or not, than the Toronto one. Milwaukee on Tuesday, I should go back and correct myself, Milwaukee is, is 12-point favorites, uh, at least right now, on the FanDuel Sportsbook against uh, the Orlando Magic. So, uh, Adam, how can uh, people find all of your work over on Fantasy Alarm? I know people can follow you on Twitter, at Adam Ronis, uh, for this run here that we're going to have in the NBA over at Fantasy Alarm and Wager Alarm, where can they find it? Yeah, FantasyAlarm.com, WagerAlarm.com. I'll be doing a lot of NBA DFS, uh, the playbook and the value vault all throughout the week. And also on WagerAlarm.com, I'll be giving out my best bets for NBA and MLB as well. So you could check that out there. And I've been doing pretty well this year, especially for NBA. So uh, check it out and follow it. And if you like what you read, make the wager. There you go. Follow Adam Ronis on Twitter, at Adam Ronis. Thanks again, Adam, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, have a good week with all of your bets. And we'll catch up again uh, on Monday of next week, too. We'll talk about how everything went, okay? All right, man. Thanks a lot. Good luck to you, too, as well. Thank you very much. Adam Ronis with us here on Fantasy Sports Today. We still have plenty more to come here on the show, including a little fantasy or reality. That's coming up a little bit later on. Plus, of course, we have the Sports Grid 60 before we end our show today. So, don't tune our show out to go watch the NBA. Get your bet in. Come right back to us, and then we'll help you throughout the rest of the day right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Joe Pizzapia and I will return coming up in just two minutes. Keep it here on the grid. We're back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. we got fantasy or reality coming up straight ahead and then the SportsGrid 60. And, Joe, before we get to do that, let's touch real quick on this Cleveland Indians story, as reported by ESPN, uh, that essentially several players on the Indians were partially, it feels like, responsible for having Mike Clevenger, their pitcher, and also their other pitcher, Zach Plesak, option to their alternative site camp. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the story, both of those players ended up breaking protocol, and apparently uh, Clevenger in particular, when they had a call about it or some sort of group text, uh, was not completely truthful about it. ESPN reports, uh, Joe, that Oliver Perez, who uh, crazily enough is still in the league at this point, opting out of the 2020 season. And I guess Francisco Lindor, who clearly is their team leader, had some uh, words on it as well, but... 
Not really a big surprise for me because I can sort of speak to the Marlin situation and I could tell you that if anybody was was lying to one another there, they would have taken that seriously as well. Because I think, Joe, in the end, players are going to mess up and they're going to make mistakes, but we're a country of forgiveness and people forgive each other. But they had a chance to do that and chose to lie about it. And I think that that's really why this all went down the way that it did. Yeah, and it tells you exactly where the clubhouse is right now because Clevenger and Plesak, especially Clevenger, um, one of the better pitchers in baseball here. So when you're talking about two guys in your rotation, one of which is a frontline starter and people having seemingly no problem with him being kind of detached from the team because of his actions, I think that tells you a lot. It speaks volumes about what's going on here, the culture of the clubhouse. And I know you're around the culture of the clubhouse a lot more than most. But it just seems like that's what's going on here. And you know what? Good on the players. Good on the veterans. Good on everybody out there who's saying, hey, this is life and death here. This is more than even just us getting our paychecks. This is us long-term health. I think there's a lot of fear when you see a player like Eduardo Rodriguez season over because of COVID. His season is over because of the repercussions from that. And who knows what his career is going to be going forward. Now, we can only hope that over time, everything seems to be trending in that way that Eduardo Rodriguez, they believe, will get better. It was more just, let's not push the issue with this guy. He's a long-term piece of our rotation. Let's not do it because 2020 is a lost season. However, Craig, when you're talking about the Cleveland Indians, they're a win now team. And I think this speaks volumes to what the temperature is, no pun intended, of clubhouses everywhere when it comes to COVID. There's just no excuse for players to be breaking protocols, going against the grain, doing things they're not supposed to do, and then, moreover, lying about on the back end. To me, it makes no sense at all. And I hope that the NFL player locker rooms are also taking notice of this as well. And there should be a zero tolerance uh, policy here, and everybody should hold themselves accountable. Yeah, and again, players can mess up and they can do the wrong thing. And and, sure. and honestly, you know, with the Indians in particular, it ended up being a situation that no one was hurt by this. But the problem was the aftermath of it when they could have just completely come clean and apologized and just said, hey, we did it. We made a mistake. We won't do it again. And who knows what would have happened. But to have Clevenger essentially lie uh, to his teammates, which is what was reported happened, and then to have Plezak go on Instagram and just go on a tirade about how the media has made more of it was really shocking and surprising. So it's always the media. I think that's Craig. Cool. don't, you know, everything is your fault. Yeah. It's the, what it, did we do? It's all what the did we do? Fault. Uh, everything, I mean, everything it, it, wrong it just shows you how tone deaf that guy is, unfortunately for him. And, and so. what's funny because um, yeah, there, there's what? Irvin time issues now involved that, too. That played major league baseball. You know what I mean? Like you come from a family of major league baseball players. I don't understand how that, <laughs> how you don't get that the media is part of this game at this point. Like that's, oh, and, and you, a, a family member in the media right now. Let's be yeah. honest. Doesn't make any sense, but again, uh, can't speak to the, uh, the upstairs level for these players. That's the only thing that hits me with this one. Okay. Fantasy reality. Let's see if we can do a little bit better than please. Zach and Clevenger here. We'll start off with the <laughs> Oakland athletics. They have the best record in baseball by a half a game uh, over the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they have the best record in the American league. So let's play this game of fantasy reality with question one, Joe, the Oakland athletics will have the best record in the American league in the 2020 season. Fantasy reality. I'll tell you what, if you asked me this question a week ago, I would have knee-jerk reaction right away said fantasy. They're not going to be able to do this necessarily because of some of the other teams out there. However, I think this week, 
my take is it's a reality. I think the injuries are starting to creep up on the Yankees a little bit. And yes, they have some depth and yeah, Clint Frazier's up and Ford's up and all these other guys will step up in that void to an extent, but there's no replacing Aaron judge. There's no replacing Giancarlo Stanton. Yes, it's good. Paxton started to look better, but the Yankees as good as they are with Garrett Cole and Glaber Torres and some other players on this team, there's definitely some holes there and there's a little bit of wear and tear. The rays have been a little inconsistent, starting to play better. Now the twins, very good for the most part. They did have that little stretch there two weeks ago where they looked a little lost, but I think the A's might be the most complete team. And I think the A's are also playing without a whole lot of pressure. I think like there's a lot of pressure on the Yankees. There's even some pressure on the rays, maybe to the twins. The expectations for the, the A's always feel like, yeah, we're just the A's. No one really expects us to do anything. And every year we're going to go out there and be a playoff team. So I think that combination of health, um, as long as Frankie Montas stays healthy too, we saw him get scratched from that start. He's supposed to make that start. I believe tomorrow is when he's going to be back. So keep a close eye on that one. That's one injury that could change my tune, but everything being equal right now. Yeah. I think they do have a good chance for this. I would say reality. How about you? Yeah, I, w- I would say fantasy, and it's and and look, Montas has been hurt a lot, so um, you know I, I don't think that that's the fa- the main factor for me. I just I think there are better teams, and Oakland's been one of the streakier teams in baseball, so I would predict them to have a great season, but maybe not as good as Minnesota or New York or even Tampa Bay. And by the way, the one team that we have to re- uh, not forget about is Houston, because Houston still will get more games against Oakland than any other team in baseball. So I will say fantasy. I still congratulate Oakland on their great start, but I don't think their finish will be as good as the start, so I'll go fantasy with that. Well, uh, Halloween is coming, Joe, and this is a rite of passage for I know your kids and my kids as well, but let's be honest, we're two months away here, and I don't think that we're any closer to having a real Halloween than you know than we were watching things on sports three months ago. I I think that we're in trouble here a little bit. And and look, some people will go trick-or-treating and we'll have a social distance trick-or-treating, I'm sure. I don't know that we will or not, but here's an idea that has come up uh, basically in Tokyo where they've come up with a drive-in haunted house where essentially you take your car through a, a myriad of different obstacles here and there are zombies and there are crazy people running around and throwing blood on your car. And apparently it's very scary too. So it seems like a pretty novel idea for Tokyo. Don't know how it will fly here, but there are two months for somebody in the U.S. to get it going. Fantasy or reality, Joe, if if we're still in the same spot now than we are on October 31st, you would try a drive-in haunted house like the one in Tokyo. Fantasy or reality? <laughs> uh, well, the reality is they exist already in New Jersey as well. Uh, they have these kind of things. Oh, okay. Farms up here. Yeah, well, farms is a very popular thing. The the drive through the corn area and these kind of things. I'm about throwing blood on my car. I think I kind of draw the line there. I fake blood, not real blood. I don't care. I'm throwing blood on my car. Okay. That's enough of that. You want to scare me? You want to have a zombie pop up? I'd rather do this than those animal safari things too. Cause every time I see one of those on like America's Funniest Stone videos, like the giraffe is inside the car and he's like licking people's faces and they're breaking windows. It's like, no, I don't. Why do people do this? This looks like fun. I don't think my kids would be into it. My youngest would probably be into it. The older one, not so much. I would want to do this. Uh, I would say that the reality, this is going to be on the table, but it'll be a fantasy. We won't end up doing it. However, we were just having this conversation at Halloween. I'm not sure how that Halloween conversation is going on in your house, if it is already, but we've already been talking about it and what our options might be, Craig. So where are you guys at with Halloween and potential haunted house drive throughs in Florida? Yeah, I, I don't. I haven't heard any here, but I'm guessing that that's a possibility for that. My kids are really into the dressing up thing, but they're not into the scary thing. So I would say I personally would try. That's reality. 
But I would think that we as a family trying would be a fantasy. So it's sort of yeah. a two-part answer here because they're not into scary movies and scary things. And the second it comes on, they don't want to watch it. So no, I don't in fact, them. I was watching um, to live in Florida. I've read those Florida man stories with you long enough. It's it's pretty frightening there I know. every day. We, we were so. watching that movie with uh, uh, me and my wife were watching the movie with Jamie Foxx uh, on Netflix over the weekend. Power something or other. I don't remember what it was, okay. what, what it's called. But within the first like five right. minutes, she was like, oh, 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 I'm like, this isn't even a scary movie here. Like, we, we can't even get through this. <laughs> don't show her get out then. <laughs> yeah. Don't no, show her a movie like that. That's that's like terrifying on a different level. That kind of movie. I actually it, half hour into get out. I actually out loud by myself. Like, get out. Get out of there. What are you doing? Like, I just, oh, my God. Right, I don't watch it. That I swear, like that, that was the kind of mind melt that was going on in that movie. But I, we're not a big scary movie house. We're a big action movie house. We like. The Marvel stuff, the X-Men stuff. Yesterday was raining all day. They wanted to watch another X-Men movie, so we burned one of those, too. But, yeah, the scary stuff, I mean, I always question, like, the little kids who are into scary stuff. That makes me a little afraid, to be honest, of them. Yeah. Okay, well, here here's a scary proposition. Now, I know this all too well in Disney, and Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat is taking advantage of the Disney situation, and he is exactly right. Uh, ESPN had a story they posted yesterday about how Jimmy Butler started his own um, NBA bubble coffee shop, where it's essentially $20 for a single cup of coffee, Joe, whether it's small, medium, or large. And he is actually telling the truth here. It is kind of hard to find a cup of coffee in Disney. Um, you know, they do have these little sundry shops in the different mm -hmm. hotels, but they always have these like long lines. You can't just like walk in and walk out. And remember, you got to leave Disney to go to a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks, wherever your favorite coffee place is. Uh, so they're charging 20 bucks, and Jimmy Butler basically said, hey, look, I, I got my own little coffee shop here. I'm going to charge 20 bucks because, hey, these guys can afford it. Well said, Jimmy Butler, for sure. But I would ask you, Joe, and we'll use $5 as the barometer here because I think for people like us that aren't making millions, maybe this is more of a realistic number, although it is egregious to think that there is a $5 cup of coffee, but there is. Fantasy or reality, you've paid $5, Joe, for a coffee in your lifetime somewhere. Fantasy or reality. Yeah, it's an unfortunate reality because I spent a lot of time in New York. I am from New York. So, yeah, yeah, I, I've spent a five dollar cup of coffee before. Yeah, I'm not embarrassed to say it, but uh, it's just the truth of living in the New York City tri-state area. However, good on Jimmy Butler. I like this. This is like the NBA lemonade stand. <laughs> He's basically got a did he have a little uh, cart out there? Does he have a little sign like with a little like the dollar sign is backwards or something like that? Something adorable You're perhaps with Jimmy Butler. That would be really fun. Um $20 seems ridiculous. Like that cup of coffee, you know, I'm not sure what's in that cup of coffee, but for $20, it better, it better be a, a, an extra grande, whatever the hell. And I don't understand this because at Universal, we had a Starbucks right in our hotel. So the Disney hotels don't have the Starbucks and things like that in them? No, they do not. Mm -mm. Oh, I did not know. See, I've only been to Disney once in the last, you know, decade. And uh, it was it was a blur. <laughs> I can tell you that much. But I did not know that. See, Universal, they, there's coffee places everywhere. It was, again, another reason why I prefer the Universal to the, the Disney. But for you, Craig, any $5 cups of coffee for you? I got to say yes, right? Uh, I, I believe so, yes. I would say I have had one. And and I, the reason why this resonated with me is because I agree with Jimmy Butler. Remember, two years ago, we had a hurricane here. Right? And um, my whole family, we went to Orlando, and we stayed in Disney for eight days while the hurricane was never really fully hit South Florida, but we stayed there. And, and all me and my wife kept talking about is, man, it is hard to find like a little just coffee place around here. We had to go down. It's just, it was difficult. Uh, but yes, I, I definitely have had 
uh, a $5 cup of coffee before. I will say this. I used to be someone that every day used to go buy coffee. Every day used to get a fresh cup of coffee and go buy it, either at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. And then I became a bean grinder. And then that's all over with now. I yeah, buy really? the beans, I grind them in the morning. You, where do you think Jimmy Butler's getting his beans from? In true Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. fashion. Where are the beans <laughs> right. from, Jimmy? Where are you getting the beans? Yeah, Latte Larry's. Could be. Could be okay. <laughs> all right, we, uh, we got the Sports Grid 60 coming up next. And then we'll say so long to you for this Monday afternoon. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with our Sports Grid 60. So make sure you stay on the grid. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. We're back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, it is Fantasy Sports Today's Monday edition coming to a close here on the show today. Joe and I will be right back here tomorrow at noon. Some more fantasy football discussion, updates on everything that we saw coming down the pipeline in fantasy on Monday, and, of course, recaps from all the Major League Baseball games and the NBA as well. Before we go out of here, we turn it back over to Joe Pizzapia for his topic today on the Sports Grid 60. Joe? November 18th, 2018, Alex Smith suffered a devastating leg injury. Then he developed sepsis in that leg, which almost cost him his life. 17 surgeries later. That's right, 17. He was actually activated from the pup list this week and is planning to compete for the starting job for the Redskins. If that's not a good story, I don't know what is. It's been a very difficult road for Alex Smith. This was a guy who was taken number one overall by the 49ers. Didn't live up to the hype. Then, eventually, the team got better around him, only to lose his job due to an injury, and that team went on to the Super Bowl that year. Then he found life again in Kansas City, only to lose that job to Patrick Mahomes. And now, now there's a chance he could start yet again in the NFL. And if he does, I can tell you right now, I'll be rooting for Alex Smith, Craig. I don't know about you, but just the fact this guy can step onto a field is a miracle in itself. Yeah, great story for sure. In the NFL, no doubt about it. Uh, listen, the, my Sports Grid 60 is is on what you're going to be hearing in the next few days, which is, of course, like Doug Peterson saying Miles Sanders is the guy and Bruce Arian saying that Gronk is not in great shape. And Listen, all of these things are great and then they're interesting, but you have to be very careful about the information that you're taking from especially the coaches and using them in fantasy. If they're coming from reporters who are there, they're only giving you what they see. Coming from the coaches, remember, they're giving you what they want you to see. So just be cognizant of that using some of these statements that are made in the early part, especially of training camp in the NFL. Don't think that they're all real. Some of them are not realities. They are fantasies. That'll do it for the show today. Thank you, of course, to uh, Brett, always, for producing the show today. Thank you to Sean and for Joe Ranieri, Danny Oak, Joe Pizzapia. I'm Greg Mish. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon. Have a great day. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.